With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Instant Reaction Podcast, Iowa's 48-31 to 31 win against Minnesota. We will dive into it a bit. But first, thanks to GameDayPrep.com for the, sponsoring this podcast. Game Day Prep offers college tradition-inspired apparel that only true fans will recognize and no other place carries. From now until the end of the season, listeners to the Hawkeye Nation podcast can receive 20% off using the code BIGGER10. That is B-I-G-G-E-R and the number 10 bigger 10 that is your 20 percent off discount code limit one use per person head to gamedayprep.com game day prep fun for the true fan fun for the iowa fan by and large was saturday's 48 31 win against minnesota it was the closest blowout that iowa has had in a long time as i sit here and chuckle uh, after the game scene, the picture after picture of Pigs and Floyd roll through my Twitter feed as we do this. This game shouldn't have been as close as it was. Minnesota, two of their fourteen, two of their touchdowns, so 14 of their 31 points, came on Iowa turnovers in the red zone. Nate Stanley with a horrific decision before the end of the half. Iowa was up 21-10, to 10, I believe, at that point in time, and they were getting the ball back, and there was about a minute left to go or so ish or certainly under under a minute and a half I think and uh, called a rollout pass some people have been critical of Kirk Ferentz through years for not trying to do more things before the half when things like that happen and you give up a touchdown late in a half those are the kinds of things that probably made Kirk want to not be so aggressive but boy I mean aggressive you talk about the uh the fake field goal, another one. Iowa has a an amazing bag of tricks with fake field goals. Worked again in this one. The old uh, you know picket fence or swinging gate, whatever you want to call that one, worked for Iowa uh, in this game in the first half as they scored 28 points in the first half, 48 for the game, the most points Iowa has scored against Minnesota in the state of Minnesota since that double nickel Iowa put up back at the end of the 2008 season. In this game, Nate Stanley started off really hot. Iowa came out their first drive and was really throwing the ball, a concerted effort to throw, because Minnesota for this entire game had a concerted effort to put eight men, not only eight men, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. But to send those four back guys, three three linebackers and a strong safety, to send them aggressively flying up into the line of scrimmage when Iowa showed run. 
Iowa had multiple play-action pass opportunities in this game. They got a couple of them to work. Then there were a couple more instances where they were loading them up, but uh, too much pressure on Nate Stanley, so Iowa couldn't get the look that they wanted to get there. But Iowa certainly more than enough. Iowa scored at least 10 points in each of the four quarters in this game. I don't know the last time Iowa's done that. Literally, I don't know. I'm not saying that hasn't happened for 20 years I just don't know I don't know that it happens often with an Iowa offense that has traditionally at least under Kirk Ferentz been well, maybe a little scoring challenged let's just say so uh, I'm not sure that I want to dive into the history books and look that up because it's probably not going to be easy and take far too much time for very little results so we'll just leave it here to die a slow death on the podcast unless one of you wants to look it up and tweet it at me and I'll retweet it We can do that. Nate Stanley for the game, 23 of 39 for 314 yards. I believe this is his third time over 300 yards passing in his career. Uh, Iowa, I think, has won all three of those games. Usually you don't see things like that. When a a player has his career highs, his top three best days passing, sometimes, or at least in Iowa history, um, those comes when you're trying to play catch-up. But Iowa, 3-0 in those. Four touchdown passes to the one very bad interception, which we talked about. Uh, a little bit earlier was Nate Sandley. He he was okay. Um, you know there were some incompletions that he had that were right on the money. You know what was great though. Iowa had the first three or four targets went to wide receivers. Nick Easley with six catches. Brandon Smith with five catches, including an absolute beauty of concentration on a twenty-six yarder. Um, Amir Smith-Marset, three catches for 78, also had at least one drop. That was pretty bad, uh, potentially two. TJ Hawkinson with three grabs for a score. Noah Fant with four grabs for a score. Fant left the game late after Brian Ferentz called a, I don't know if you call it a tight end reverse. Fant was a ball carrier. Iowa was down in the red zone and... I just I didn't like that and Fant hurdled somebody and got taken to the ground very hard. My guess is is he he did go into the locker room. He came back out and did not have a helmet, according to Mark Morehouse of the Gazette on a, on a tweet that Mark sent out. Makes you wonder if they did a little concussion protocol or if they just said you're done for the day. We don't want to get you hurt. Uh, Ivory Kelly Martin also getting nicked up late in the game, and he absolutely took a shot to his head, and he walked up the tunnel. Uh, Definitely looked like they were going to do concussion protocol on him. Jack Hockaday was injured in this game uh, early on and was on crutches, and the prognosis for him does not look all that well. I will be surprised if we see him again in 2018, and that's a huge loss. You're already um, down Nick Neiman, who's going to be out for another three to four weeks at least with a PCL injury. You had Iowa today basically playing nickel personnel for much of the entire game. Uh, As opposed to three linebackers, they had two by and large in the game for most of the snaps. And Jack Hockaday was one of them. He goes down. Then Amani Jones came in, who was your opening game starter and played all three series before Hockaday relieved him, and he was Wally Pipped. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. And then very late in the game, Minnesota's last possession, you had Amani Jones getting called for targeting, ejected from the game, which means he will miss the first half of next week's road game against Indiana. What's Iowa going to do? I mean, just it's getting it's getting really thin at linebacker. 
Then you had uh, O.J. Moody today that was available for the kickoff coverage team, but he didn't start. Hmm, makes you wonder a little bit. Uh, but Riley Moss, freshman, started, got two interceptions. Was he abused early? Yeah, but he fought back late. Two picks for the true freshman. You also had true freshman Julius Brents starting at cornerback on the other side of the field. And he had a remarkable, remarkable interception. So you have two true freshmen starting cornerbacks for Iowa making interceptions in their first career starts. That is not bad. Minnesota was in a very giving mood today. Zach Anikstad threw three interceptions on the day. Iowa had five sacks. I believe they had four in the first half. And Minnesota did make an adjustment in the second half. They went nearly exclusively to three-step drops. And when you're making three-step drops, it's incredibly hard to get sacks. But Iowa did get five on the day. The first three, was it in the first quarter or seemingly in the first quarter? Anthony Nelson with three sacks. Uh, just reading some tweets here to Mark Morehouse, who's in the post game right now, saying Jack Hockaday had a pretty huge brace on his left leg and on crutches there in the post game. As I mentioned, I'll be surprised if we see him again this year. I don't know that. I've just watched enough football. I watched how slowly he was helped off the field, how he was really struggling to put weight on that knee. And that's usually one that you wait for a couple of days for the swelling to go down. You go in and have it, uh, have the MRI done, and you get bad news in the middle of the week. That's what I'm expecting to have happen. A lot of a lot a big physical toll in this game. So hopefully, hopefully Noah Fant can come back and be okay. Hopefully Ivory Kelly Martin can come back and be okay. You need those key playmakers when you go on the road, even though it's Indiana. But you know, as I'm looking here at the Big Ten scoreboard, I'm going to pull this up. As we're talking there for a while, Indiana was giving Ohio State a little bit of a game. And it's interesting. The last few years, Indiana has actually given Ohio State a much better game than you would have thought that they would give them based upon how the teams were playing coming in. There it is, 42-26 to with 11.09 to go. In the game there, I was just going to pull this box score up again since I was playing. Patrick Ram, Peyton Ramsey, rather, the quarterback for Indiana, 25-47 with 313 yards with over 11 minutes to go in the game. Three touchdowns and no interceptions. They're very talented running back, Stevie Scott. He's definitely someone that you'll want to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, it's eight carries, 66 yards. But, you know, they're not going to run now when they're down like that. But at any rate, yeah, it's just Indiana, but they're 4-1. and one. They're 1-1 one one in the conference, and they're playing Ohio State a lot closer than a lot of teams are going to play Ohio State this year, even though this is not the most fearsome iteration of the Ohio State defense, especially with – that's a little thing from ESPN there – especially with Bosa out for the next month or so. But at any rate, back, uh, back to Iowa in this one. Iowa with 420 total yards, 314 through the year, 106 yards rushing. They did get over 100, but it did not come easy. Again, had a lot of people tweeting at me during the game, John, what's wrong with Iowa's rushing attack? How come they can't run? It's hard for six to block eight, period, end of story. That's the analysis. So... Um, yeah, and some people say, hey, Alaric Jackson struggled in pass protection. Minnesota did a good job scheming a linebacker over top of him a couple of times. And that's a mismatch for a lot of tackles. Because unless your first step, your left foot, your outside foot opens up and you're expecting an upfield speed rush, 
you're not going to catch up. So it's almost like you have to do that. But if, if you're if you're going to give tells where your first step is an outside um, upfield step, then they're going to cross your face and come in. So it's it's not as easy as it looks. At any rate, Iowa forty-eight, Minnesota thirty-one. Some people. I, mean, I, I, I had to, I replied to some tweets today. Man, this is what the, you know. The, they sure look bad coming out of a box. What the heck are you talking about? Iowa should have won this game 48-17, if not more. I mean, Iowa dominated this game. They were 10 of 19 on third downs. Minnesota was 3 of 11. Iowa with 18 first downs. Minnesota did have 20, but you know Minnesota's last touchdown drive, congratulations. There was like 9 minutes and 40 seconds left, and you chewed up half of the remaining time you had because you were running it up the middle at 7 yards a click, and Iowa's playing in nickel personnel for most of the day, and at that point in time, they're protecting against deep passes. Congrats. Anyway, Minnesota did get up to 86 yards rushing on the day after those late uh, garbage times. A rather cleanly played game, although Iowa did get its uh, Iowa did get called for a clip or an illegal block, which you know the, the streak is alive and the streak continues. Iowa with seven tackles for loss. Minnesota did have six. Ivory Kelly Martin, a tough sled, and 20 carries, 47 yards. That is a rough day at the office. Mecky Sargent, 9 for 33 and a score. And Torn Young, 5 for 18. A lot of people texting, well, hey, John, where's Torn Young? I, I don't know. He obviously is healthy because he played, but apparently he's the number three back. Or let's just say this. What about this? What about in a day when the defense is sending eight players at you and you need the absolute best footwork you can possibly have out there in order to get as many yards as you possibly can, where cutbacks are going to be key. Vision, maybe Torn Young is number three on the list as it relates to vision and cutbacks and footwork. He's a power guy for sure. But that's what I think. I just think it was a different horse for the different course. Iowa with 79 plays in this game to 67 uh, for Minnesota, and Iowa wins the turnover margin, I believe, 3-2 to two in this contest. And that fake field goal, <laughs> fake field goal was fantastic. Really nice to see 11, 12, 13, 14 combined catches for the wide receivers. It's been a while. Um, you know, I mean, Easley had 10 catches a couple of games ago, but I mean, it was six for Easley, five for Brandon Smith. Hopefully, Brandon Smith just took a step forward to put a lot of confidence in his memory banks. Amir Smith Marset with three. Really nice kickoff return by Amir Smith Marset in the second half after Minnesota. I think it pulled it to within 10. Amir Smith Marset with a 49 yard field goal and almost broke that one to the house. And he actually took the ball. Uh, caught the ball like one yard deep in the end zone where normally everybody is uh, fair catching those or accepting touchbacks this year. ISM brought it out. I'm going to go over here and see if I can see some special team statistics because he also had a 36-yard um, return. Returner two for 83. So 49 and 30-something is 34-ish or so. So that's not a bad day. Colton Rastetter on this day, four kicks, four punts rather for 166 yards, 41.5-yard average. Rastetter's never going to make you harken back to images of Reggie Roby with hang time. But... This year, he's been effective. Uh, he has he has been effective. Looking at Iowa's third down numbers, I told you they were 10 of 19 on third downs, which is 52.6%. You'll take that every day of the week, especially getting that many opportunities. Iowa's average distance to convert, 5.8. It's not, it's not great, but it's a lot better than the 7.5 that Minnesota had. 
if you can keep it under six, if you can get it under five, that's really what you want to, to see. Realistically, obviously, you want that number as low as possible. So when I say you want to get it there, but you definitely want to um, you want to keep it under six. And, and Iowa did that. And third downs, Nate Stanley was 10 of 16 for 198 yards and eight of Iowa's nine first downs came through the air. Average yards per completion on third down, 19.8, and average yards per attempt on third down, 12.4. That is getting it done. That is fantastic. Fantastic. Minnesota with just one pass completion on third down, and that was the only way that they were going to beat Iowa in this game was to beat Iowa through the air. And they couldn't do it. I saw a lot of people giving heat to Riley Moss. First start, I think he acquitted himself quite well. Quite well. Now, Iowa just has a... Um, they have a number of very good defensive backs. They're coached incredibly well. Phil Parker, underrated as it relates to that aspect of the craft. Just a great teacher. And, of course, we all know that Iowa has a, a litany of players off to the NFL from that secondary. I do want to correct something. Four interceptions in this game. Iowa had three against um, the starting quarterback and then one against their Wildcat quarterback, who for some reason was in the game throwing a 40-yard pass. I mean, P.J. Fleck, great motivator. I'm sure his players love him. He'd wear me out. But he, there was a lot of questionable calls. They, they called a fake punt. And they threw a, and the punter threw like a forty-yard pass in the air against Moss. That's just a really low percentage fake punt, low percentage play. And they were on their side of the fifty or around the fifty-yard line. That's that's not what you're looking for. I want to look up what that was. Minnesota's drive chart downs. They turned it over at the yeah. It was midfield. It was the Minnesota forty-nine. So they were one yard. They were one yard on the. Um, the back side of it. So that's that's how you lose games. It's how you take yourself out of games. And then, of course, Iowa was, you know, Iowa was trying to give it back to him. As Dace just texts me that he's 11-1 and one against the spread this week. Yeah, I know, Dace. You're kicking my butt. Thank you. Oh, and his picks. And it, he says, he's 11-1 against the spread in my picks, but not ours, meaning not our head-to-head picks, but some other mystery picks that he has that he maybe makes different games. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to take that up with them later on next week. All in all, getting to the point where we're rambling, really going to be an interesting week with regards to the uh, the MASH unit. That is definitely something to watch. We'll hear from Kirk Ferentz on Tuesday. Maybe he will have some health updates there. And as Iowa continues to go by the uh, the next man in. And again, Jones will miss the first half. Amani Jones will miss the first half of next week because he was ejected due to the targeting call. So by rule, he is out for one half of that game. All right, folks, as always, we appreciate you listening. Thanks to Game Day Prep. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company for their continued support of this podcast and to you for your continued support of the HN Podcast.